You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. to all the ravers in the nation. (laughs) Here I go. One, two. That's a slap. Welcome to Axe to Grind, a hardcore podcast. Maybe, possibly, best podcast left on Earth after the cataclysm. I'm Patrick. I'm Bob. I'm Tom. And I'm and joining us today. Wait, wait, who is that joining us today? Huh? What? Hello? <laughs> Eric Wilson is joining us today. Hello, up, Eric. Hello. So, everyone, this is going to be chaos. This is a not-in-person, four-person podcast. I expect yeah. all of our listeners will be patient with the fact that I'm going to have to edit this just to even have it make sense. Uh but I'm very happy for this. Uh, all uh, you know, it's like uh, some people's idea of heaven. All my friends in one place. This will be fun. That's so precious. What What do we want to talk about today? Uh, well, so you know, this is the uh, first installment of the Axe to Grind Worst Possible Timeline mashup, a two parter. Uh, it's like Cheers and Wings. Cheers and Wings, yeah. You know, oh, did they ever do that crossover? Because Wings did do crossovers. I think Wings spun out of something, but I don't remember what. It, it, what did it they spin out cheers. of? No, chips. No, no, oh. no. No, um, it, it, was, no uh, it was. It wasn't Golden Girls, was it? No, Empty Nest spun out of Golden Girls. Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right, this is important information. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up. But while I look this up, Fraser came from Cheers. Fraser came from That's Cheers. Right. Yes, hundred percent. But wings came from something else. While I look this up, let's uh, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors. Um, why don't we start with our buddies, Close Casket Activities, who have a new record out, pretty big one, a very big one. Um, our friends, friends of the pod, end from Philadelphia, New Jersey, Canada. Yeah, Canada. Okay, Canada. The singer's from Canada. He might not live there anymore. But he is from. Right. I'll, I'll try not to worry. Right now. This is a this is a bit of a super group. Is that accurate? This is one hundred percent a super group. So and, and splinters from an ever changing face LP on close casket activities. Members of help me with this, Patrick. Maybe me and you will try to figure it out. Tom, you jump in um, and correct us or catch what we miss. Members of counterparts. Yes. Okay. Misery signals. Yes. Okay. All right. What is Will Putney's band? Uh, Fit for an autopsy. Okay. There we go. Uh, He runs this giant studio in New Jersey where all the big bands record. Yep. And uh, Jay Pepito. 
and wait, the drum and J, J from Reign Supreme, Blacklisted, etc. Right. Uh. So uh, Jay is my vested interest here uh, because I think Jay is uh, a a cool dude and also uh, just been been around in a way that I understand. Whereas like I I've, I've never caught counterparts. I know what they do. It's kind of like uh, very capable for for people that like Shai Halud. You shouldn't be avoiding this sort of stuff. It's like there are people doing very capable stuff in that lane, and I think counterparts is considered that. Uh, the fit for an autopsy stuff, I don't know at all. Uh, that's like very much off my radar. But uh, the it's like oh, technical, like death metal. It's 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 hard. It's hard. But it's like uh, one of those like they yeah they're they're very like technical metal. Gotcha. And so, the drummer and, Billy yeah. Reimer that was in Dillinger Escape Plan. I didn't realize that. That's oh, right. no shit. That's right. Uh, yeah. This is like a super 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 group. I was looking at uh, show flyers last night in the tub because that's where my life's at. Uh, in the tub. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at. That's I was looking at show flyers, and uh, I forgot how uh, uh, long lived a band Dillinger was. Uh, th- there were show flyers because I don't I don't remember when Calculating Infinity came out, but there were show flyers definitely from like 1998, and I was like, oh, oh, easily. Yeah, that's- yeah, that's right. And there um, were something before that. Oh, really? That I didn't know. They were called like Arcane um, or something like that. They were like a like a like a Jersey metalcore band, you know, like yeah. Before they got really tech. Yeah, they got ambitious. But um, they got really so, big and outside of our purview, so we didn't really kind of. So, so uh, does anybody know? I haven't I haven't talked to Jay Pepito in a minute. Is uh, he's not singing in this? Uh, how did that happen? Yeah, how did that happen? I mean, I'm sure he's a capable well, bassist, of course, but uh, it, it, I, I think for people that uh, post blacklisted, he's just been a singer, right? Oh, actually, he's, he writes the stuff. He he wrote a, a ton of Rain Supreme stuff. That's true. Um, and but, I think currently he is singing for Shai Halud. Right. So oh, you so might be right. That. Yeah, and so no. Yeah. Uh, last and night, talked, band, I'm sorry. Yes, that's right. Last I talked to Jay. Um, he was just kind of gearing up for the end stuff they had started. They had played a few shows, but I think it was one of those situations like this dude, he knew this dude, he knew. And it was like, Oh, we need a bass player. And he's like, count me in. So yeah, that sounds, that sounds about right. Eric, well, what is your experience with, uh, do you, are you familiar with any of these bands, including rain Supreme or blacklisted the early? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, Dillinger Escape Plan have yeah they've like Pat said they've been around for a long 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 minute. Um, I remember them from when I was a young a young lad. Um, I think I saw them at the downtown on Long Island. Like God knows how in another lifetime. Um, Counterparts is a, is one of those bands that like I've I've de- I've seen them around. I've seen their name around. I just looked them up. They're they've been a band since two thousand seven. I guess does that sound right? Sure. Wow. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, they're they're not someone I ever like really fell into, but they're definitely like they've 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 been around for a minute. Um, but I'm not I'm not super familiar. Well, so end is is kind of the side project for all of these dudes, um, but it actually has done quite well. Uh, I know for a fact actually that this record has been doing huge. Uh, really cool looking cover. It's actually a die cut. If you look at the cover of the record, you can see there's slits that go around the the head yeah. kind of like a halo that's an insert comes out really cool that's awesome. um 
bunch of the limited versions are gone, but there still are uh, copies available. So go pre-order the end record at closecasketactivities.com. Uh, Eric, you're going to enter the promo code. Axe to grind. And Tom, what do you want to do with that promo code? You're going to spell it out. Boom. Thank you. Uh, guys, let's, uh, let's talk about another sponsor, our, our buddies at Deathwish Inc., who have some stuff going on. A lot of it's under wraps right now. Can't talk about it. Pretty oh. cool. But <clears throat> since that's happening, we can't talk about it. We're going to reach into the bag, stir shit up. And Tom and Pat, I would like you guys to go in on the 108 Death Wish releases. Tom, kick us off. I, I know we don't talk about 108 a lot, so this is really going to be you know, new stuff for a lot of you guys. Um, so, yeah, so they Deathwish put out the quote-unquote reunion record, Newbie from a Dead Heart, which is probably like, what, 2006 or something crazy? I believe so. Uh, yeah, uh, it was that long ago? It had to be. Shit, man. Um, yeah, because I think they were coming back for Hellfest. Then oh, around oh, 05. Oh, yes. That's correct. Yes. Wow. Um, and I'm just trying to... Yeah, so... Um, yeah, new beat from a dead heart. Let me just... I, I'm now curious. Now you, now you got me second-guessing myself. <laughs> no, I'm fairly certain you're right. It's either 2006 or 2007 because they actually play Sound and Fury on that record. Um, and I believe it was 2007. Um, but they had, you know, the story of 108 there is so cool because you guys have talked on it. They had broken up for a long time. They get back together. They're supposed to play Hellfest, which was a big thing. A bunch of bands who had never gotten back together. This is a time before the reunion naissance. Um, and 108 gets back together. And like bands sometimes do, they realize, hey, this shit, this shit's kind of fun. Maybe, right. maybe we got some more gas in the tank. And that leads to New Beat from a Dead Heart, which <clears throat> I was super skeptical of. And it hits, though. Like, it was like, whoa, this is good. And it felt relevant. And it felt like a record that even in the moment, it was good. Not just because it was like, hey, 108 put out a record and it doesn't suck. It actively doesn't suck. Right. Because it's at the current at the time. <clears throat> they were smart and they went, they recorded with Kurt. So Kurt, you know, in 2006, 2007 was... I mean, he still is, but like he, you know, he kind of made them sound even more current. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was their first record in like eleven or twelve years. Pretty yeah, impressive. Since, since threefold, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. So ninety-five. Um, that's uh, this. The songs that pop out, like just looking at the 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 track listing that I remember, like being like completely floored when I first heard it was uh, "Angel Strike Man" and then three hundred liars. Oh, yeah. So yeah, good songs. Heavy. Good songs. I feel like now, Patrick, you're you're a one oh eight historian. Did they have something out just before this? Cause I feel like there was a three hundred buyers or Angel Strike Man like on like a demo or something. Oh, I don't recall. That, that. Like leaked. I don't remember because I remember like hearing those songs earlier and then this record came out. I feel like this record was like there's very few bands that come back or, or with a reunion record that we talk about all the time, like that don't embarrass themselves. And I think like it's like 108, Lifetime, Descendants, a few other bands. Um, but yeah. I think this record's uh, hard. So, so one of our listeners is definitely going to hit us with the reality on uh, on what you just said. I, I don't recall. That sounds correct, but I, I do not recall. Uh, th this record. So I actually had somebody ruin this record <laughs> for me. Uh, <laughs> 
a very uh like a guitarist that we all know and respect uh who is a big 108 fan uh was let down by this because and he put and he like poisoned it for me uh because uh so uh hope con is uh obviously deeply in debt to 108 that's that's clear right sure uh and uh in his view maybe maybe because of uh of the very modern production by kurt etc uh this to him sounded like 108 doing hopecon and uh it put that in my head because this dude is such a fucking crack guitarist that i was like oh he knows what he's talking about and i've had that uh hanging over me every time i listen to this record is like I wonder where these dudes were at. Were they trying to catch up or is it because they, they really are like such an influence that you now can't separate. I'm saying what can that. you're saying is that I love so, conspiracy. There is no fucking way that Vic Nakara was listening to them for inspiration. <laughs> no, that's a fact. <laughs> I mean, that's a fact. That dude is not listening to anybody for, they're just so embedded that no matter what you do, it's like, Oh well, you created this, so of course it's going to sound like everything that followed in your wake. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I, I'm uh, regardless. This is a uh, a driving uh, metallic influenced, but not metallic, uh, a hardcore record that I think is uh, definitely worth everybody's time. For anybody that loves the like early 108 material or loves unbroken or loves, uh, hope con or loves, uh, in, in this, in this moment, I'm trying to think of who's doing kind of clean, straightforward. Uh, it's tough right now to find a, uh, uh, modern comp. Um, I don't know, but if you're into that, uh, strain of, uh, hardcore, this is certainly worth checking out. Now, Pat, you also had an affinity for the 108 record after this, 1861. Uh, big up us on this because this one I'm far less familiar with. Yeah, this one lost everybody because it's fucking weird. Uh, the rumor was that uh, they went in with an EP's worth of material and came out with much more. Or they went in for a single and came out with much more. Basically, this is what I love. This is when... Uh, bands uh, are at ease in a studio and just want to fucking freak out. This is a, <laughs> you know what this record actually is. This record is uh, like a, uh, a, a, a later era black flag record where uh, you might have to separate the wheat from, from the chaff, but it, it, there is uh, some great guitar moments, some fucking like, uh, and if you're game, if you're game, the whole thing is rewarding. So, I think that this is a really underrated record uh, from clever musicians, really stretching. Uh, but when you've been doing relatively straightforward hardcore for your entire career, uh, that can lose some people for sure. Uh, uh, when you go to, to into weird shit, but I think it is very worthy weird shit. Well, and so, yeah, especially with the starting point of 108. So uh, we want everyone to go check out these two 108 records and you've heard us prattle on about threefold misery um, if you haven't heard them, Death Wish also has the Six Feet Under reissue of that available. So get that there. Get these two 108 records at deathwishinc.com. Tom, uh, what's the promo code? Axe to Grind. And Eric, what are you going to want to do with that promo code? You're going to want to take that promo code. You're going to put it in your mind, and then you're going to say it out loud. You're going to want to spell it out. 
Thank you okay. very much. Hey, Eric, don't get cute. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no ad libs. No ad libs. Get- hey, totally related. Did, have you ever seen? I mean, I bought it, but like, did you see the artwork for the Six Feet Under reissue? It's. I have not. So, oh, I oh, it's really, really, really great. Yeah, like, the, the 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 original one was fine. Yeah, that's right. This is just like, I love it. It's fucking gorgeous. I'm like on like the full, you know, like the the twelve inch sleeve, and just I feel like if I remember correctly, it's like embossed in certain places. It's fucking incredible. All I'm right, lo- I'm gonna go look it up right now because yeah. this is exciting. I think I saw it at Tom's house. Actually, it's fantastic. Um, before we get into the shit, uh, Cheers, Wings, Frasier, the Tortellis, and the John Larroquette show all spawned out of Cheers. However, those are not the only shows that are interconnected in the Cheers fictional universe. The Cheers Whoa. Ready? Also in the same universe due to overlaps... Caroline in the City, which crossed over with both Frasier and Friends, so Friends, same universe, tying those together. Seinfeld, Mad About You, Joey, How I Met Your Mother, The Single Guy, Cheers also crossed over with St. Elsewhere, which ties it to the Law and Order universe. Holy shit. Wow. Which ties it to the to the um fuck what was the what was the show uh, Homicide Life on the Streets universe? It does. Yes. And the, and the Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, Chicago Med universe, and let's see, John Munch, the Homicide Life on the Streets, connected to Saint Elsewhere, and connects it to X Files. Oh my fuck! <laughs> I mean, those are pretty tenuous. If we, if we may be so bold. <laughs> no, I, I, you know what? And uh, honestly, uh, it isn't uh, Law and Order is based on uh, ripped from the headlines. So in some ways, I think that a bad fanfic writer could uh, make it so that it's like crawling out of the television, and this is all happening within our reality. It's like uh, in the mouth right. of Sam Malone is like a raper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, Sam Malone is due for a SVU episode for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know how great is that dude's career that he is uh, quietly doing like the best work of his career now, and people are singing his praises, and he just gets to be called Zaddy by like fucking twenty-two-year-old girls. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, his, it, his life fucking rules. Yeah, he, or, he's, remember when he did blackface? I oh, do. I, oh. Listen, if you can recover from blackface, you are fucking killing it. Like that's not easy. Not no, for anybody that, and he just, no, listen, for anybody, it was like, whoopee, it's cool. Right. So anybody that's in the sound of our voice that is like, what are these dudes on? I'm fucking 20. I don't know who Ted Danson is. I don't know what cheers is. Uh, and certainly I, uh, blackface supposedly is not good. What? Uh, so so <laughs> right, here's so the thing. Everybody. Enthusiasm, right. That's become <laughs> everyone's personality in 2020. That's what the new that's thing. True. Everyone is like, Larry David, that's my personality. I like Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's who I am now. There's a guy in that who wears a hairpiece. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't remember what he does in it, but his name is Ted Danson. Relatively handsome fellow. He's been around for a long time. He was married to Whoopi Goldberg, who your mom watches on at 11 o'clock or something during the weekdays. Uh, the View. With all her friends. 
Yes. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg is an African-American lady. Ted Danson is Fact. a white man, a Caucasian Fact. cis male. And I don't remember the circumstances, but he came out full on blackface, like Al Jolson blackface. Ooh. Al Jolson or ask your grandmother. Um, and that wasn't like that long ago that it was like, I don't know, this is like, it was a different time. Like, this was close enough that it was like, dude, even then people were like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, but it was in like a very, uh, like, comedy space so that like it, that's why when it all like kind of like became a thing like this isn't okay that's why Whoopi fired back and to be honest his <laughs> credit she, she's been pretty consistent with this sort of shit where like she thinks that if it's in a if oh, no. something is clearly is clearly comedy then y- y- you are supposed to take it in that spirit uh but she she was his big defender and because she is an African-American woman, uh, very prominent and also married to the guy at the time and basically not goaded him into it, but uh, definitely supported him doing it. It uh, it basically kind of got him off the hook for a thing that really would have upset a great number of people otherwise. So if you want to upset yourself uh, or laugh, depending on your orientation, uh, go find uh, that, which I, I forget what it was. It wasn't a correspondence dinner. It might have been a roast. Um but go, go go check go check that out, everybody. Little piece of history there. So this is a good place to get into our worst possible timeline. And uh, Eric, when is the last time you wore blackface? Oh well, now that we're all confined to our homes, it's gone twenty four seven. Pat, get yourself geared up. I, I hope you're done with the blackface. We want full on worst Patrick timeline. You see that? Nope. That's an interesting thing because whenever I come on this show, I always forget. Like when Pat gets like deep on a 108 record, I'm like, this is a different, this is a different form of Patrick I'm dealing with right now. Yes, yes. Uh, as as it was described, somebody listened to their first episode of Worst Possible Timeline last week, uh, <laughs> reached out to me and said, you know, I, I don't know this version of Patrick. He sounds like a maniac Alec Jones fan. Like, <laughs> yeah. who is this? And as I had to explain, I said, look, it's the worst takes patrick has teamed with hyperbole and exaggeration so uh so get into mode patrick i want i want worst possible patrick here okay all right well let's uh let's jump out on this early uh it, it so worst possible timeline is a comedy podcast fam comedy. so like so anybody listening who's like damn patrick's making me uncomfortable i might and uh i'm you don't gotta laugh but understand that just as Whoopi uh, came out for uh, uh, Ted, uh, she's going to come out for me because it, it is, it is intended to, to be laughs. It's not meant to, uh, to, to hurt anybody ever. So I'll, I'll try to put myself in the zone. Uh, I'll stop thinking about the uh, toxic reasons record that I was listening to last night. <laughs> and, and oh, instead, pretty good. It is pretty good, honestly. Uh, uh, yo, is that, is that totally forgotten? Or is that like uh, is that at least second wave or, or second string? It's 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 a good. It is second string. There was times when that version of second string was pretty prominent. You know, I'd say 2005 to 2008. You could you could casually go and, and have a conversation with someone about toxic reasons. Now you got to seek it out. So yeah, 
that, uh, but it is for anybody that's like likes the exact nexus point where uh, punk became hardcore uh, or hardcore regressed into punk. Uh, Toxic Reasons is is one hundred percent worth fucking checking out. The songs oh. are fucking ripping. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, fantastic. The and the one record has a very. It's not what I'd consider a, a like great record cover, but it's very striking and sticks with me. Destroyer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and it's a good record. Uh, okay, en- enough of that. Let's get back into our Alex Jones shit. My bad. Tom, worst possible Tom line. Do you got anything you want to bring up with these guys? I got some topics if we want to hit them. I mean, we could talk about. I, oh, I, I, <laughs> fuck. Um, you know, like when like there's a play in like MLB when the, like the manager comes out, it's like, all right, we're going to continue to play, but we're doing this on the protest. Yes. <laughs> I, I, picture me dressed like Tommy Lasorda and being an overweight man in a baseball uniform. I will continue yes. to do this. I have my concerns. So so yeah. everyone can get the picture. Tom is Tommy Lasorda with the hat flipped inside out rally cap style. Uh Patrick is um Ted Dance in full blackface. Oh no. Um Eric, w- what do you want your role to be? Um, hmm. I, I'm gonna know. just have a silly train conductor hat on. That, that'd be fun. I like that. All right, you're in. You're you're with me. We're the train conductors. Train conductors. Okay. All right. Um, uh, question for you guys. Go. What do you got, Pat? Yeah. Uh, oh, no. Regarding regarding Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, when when we're talking about your managers, do you prefer the 2020? Uh, most of the dudes are fit. Like, would you prefer uh, Giardi? Uh, Girardi, or would you prefer a uh, Lasorda? Well, what's the activity? What are we doing? No, like being like, uh, would you prefer your managers to be like someone who looks like not completely ridiculous that they're wearing a, a uniform? Yeah. Yes, that is what I was asking. But I'm gonna I'm gonna answer Bob's question, and I want Bob to answer to answer for oh, each what? thing I say. Please. Okay. Go. Uh, a, uh, a a potato sack race with my daughter. Girardi. Okay. Wow, really? uh, a uh, uh, roll down the hill uh, race. Lasorda. <laughs> a uh, donut eating contest. Lasorda. Yo, want, want the twist? Girardi. Yeah. Lasorda's getting tired. I, I, I was waiting for you to go in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, a halo dive uh, uh, from an airplane uh, into a Navy SEAL action. Uh, I want to go with Girardi and Lasorda because as we're about to jump out of the plane, Lasorda's sitting in the scene going, I ain't doing this shit. And like, I'll, I'll catch you guys after. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you. But now for your manager, for just appearances, for, for showing up and talking to a pitcher, uh, <laughs> what, what do you want? Never, I will never see an overweight person in a baseball uniform without thinking of Chris Christie. Oh, no. oh shit. That's unfortunate. Um, so I, I, as you know, I feel like I'm Whoopi Goldberg right now and I'm saying <laughs> that it's okay. as a, a, a person of larger carriage, I would be embarrassed to have to like dress in the same thing as someone who's 23 shredded and you know what I mean? You look like an idiot. I think that's, I think this is all shaming. To be honest, like is is the managers of old? It was like shit. Who was the the long uh, Zimmer? Zimmer, you guys remember him? Don Zimmer, is that it? Yeah. Oh, oh, for the Yankees? 
he was the Yankees. He did yeah. the Rockies. He was on. He bounced around. But when he got he, who, one of the Red Sox clocked him. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Major Martinez yeah. tossed him. Tossed him. I think it's all been a series of uh, of pranking on that. So now the managers feel like they got to show up fit. So the dudes who are are not in peak physical form, and I get it. Like I think maybe we're dealing. Like is this? Can we blame millennials for this? Like I think I think they just don't have respect for the larger, older man because they're like, yo, I could punch you in the face, Joe Girardi. I don't think anyone's punching Joe Girardi in the face without thinking like I have recourse here. You know, yo, Tommy Lasorda. Don Zimmer. Eh. Okay, uh, Don Zimmer. Fun fact: When he got tossed, I looked up everything about him. That was now a number of years ago, uh, but he is uh, very proud, immensely proud that he never worked a straight job ever in his entire life, which I think is very cool. And, uh, yeah, he's my dude. Uh, and, and anybody who has seen Girardi, either in a tight, uh, like Under Armour shirt or shirtless would never step to him for any fucking reason. Dude, he is jacked. a beast. <laughs> I got I got I got to take issue with this as some, as the son of, of of rabid Yankee fans um when when he's making calls, you know, ninth bottom of the ninth in a in a in in a in a final playoff game that could determine the World Series and he's making some some dipshit calls, the, you underestimate the ire of of Queens and New York City Hicks that uh, their entire life and enjoyment of the fall season rides on a World Series game. I, I think my my 65-year-old dad would step to Joe Girardi. Okay. Uh, you know yo, what? But, I, I mean, here's the be- thing. I, I want to compare, like, yo, I think your dad might, because you're right. Sports fan rage is a real thing. But look at Joe Girardi's jaw. For sure. Oh, I'm not saying my dad wouldn't get his ass kicked. I'm just saying he would step to him. Yeah. Uh, my father is a 78 year old uh, with missing multiple toes and he firmly believes, and I mean, in, in his heart that he could beat Deontay Wilder. So uh, old men, uh, <laughs> old men have real mental impairments. Uh, he thinks hey, that because, hey, anyone could beat him. Oh, <laughs> he believes that because Deontay Wilder can't quote unquote box uh, that because my father boxed 150 years ago now. Right, and, he's got uh, head speed to avoid getting punched once by a gigantic man. <laughs> yo, <laughs> were you guys, yo, Deontay Wilder, he, it's not just that he's normal big. If you see him next to other boxers who aren't Tyson Fury, who's like 7 foot 12. Oh, uh, he, Deontay is a fucking monster of a man. I'm actually like... Like he's just impressive oh, physically. Like I, I like, yeah. It's almost like you you like people could say what they want about his boxing skills, and I get it. But like just to look at him, I get heart eyes because he the dude is such a yeah. fucking monster. Dude, he wore forty five pounds worth of clothes to the ring. Yeah, and but you know what? When he says that that like cost him anything, it's like uh, look sometimes like. It would be like me performing poorly on stage and then saying uh, I've got a cold. It's like, yeah, I do, but so what? People don't want to hear that shit. It is what it is. You know what I mean? You just gotta. Sometimes you gotta. You gotta take your L's and just sometimes eat them. You know what I mean? That's uh, all you can do. Yo, all right. So, so we got that. We got, we know that your dad's coming out. And he's gonna box some some dudes on the street pretty soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about senile old men. Where 
I want to ask you, Tom, I haven't gotten you, and I want you each to t- chime in on this too, but Tom, where are you at on Joe Biden? Um, where's Joe Biden? Joe Biden been hiding. Um, <laughs> I, I've never seen someone have such a precipitous drop-off in terms of like mental acuity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in a very long time. I mean, I think beyond like, I mean, all the fucking accusations against him and stuff, like that dude should be out of here. But just watching him talk, it's like, oh, like, what happened in the last, like, month? You literally, like, I don't know if he had a stroke. If he had, he, he might have had the Rona. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I feel like he, he talks now. And he almost gave out his home phone number on CNN the other day. <laughs> would you, like, yeah. would every, okay, yes or no, uh, starting with Eric, would you fight Joe Biden if he tried to step to you in a parking garage? Oh man, you know what? Joe Biden's got that like he's got that old man like vigor. You know what I mean? Like, so you're he, saying no? Well, you're saying no because you God, don't want the the smoke. Because I'm saying no because I don't want to break him. Well, yeah. that's Eric. Don't want that smoke from Biden. Well, no, no, no. That's what it really is. I mean, like, th- there's there's two fears. There's one fear that like he has like Vietnam old man vet strength like hidden <laughs> underneath him. Yeah. You're gonna get the Happy Gilmore beat down? Exactly, but also if 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 you know I land a punch on his jaw, do I potentially end his life? Right. I'm not afraid of that. If I end Joe Biden's life, I'm not afraid of that. I am. If if he got if he catch catches you and you just got beat up by a 78 year old man, shit sucks though. Oh, like yeah. that's that's viral forever. I don't right, know what you do. Your mom's hair. You're gonna fucking lay into him. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Right. So. It's like Don Zimmer. I mean, the man had an illustrious career, but as soon as you put his name into Google, the first thing that comes up is him getting knocked by fucking Pedro. I would pay. Yeah. I would. I would pay to go vote for Don Zimmer right now. <laughs> <laughs> same. One hundred percent same. We uh, got the right in candidacy for Don Zimmer. Don Zimmer, twenty twenty. I don't even know if the man's alive. No, I was just gonna say. I think he's. I'm pretty. Yeah. No. As soon as you put in Don Z, it says Donald William Zimmer. Zimmer was an American infielder. Yeah. R.I.P. Uh, he died six years ago, so that might be a uh, tough write-in. I'm writing <laughs> it in. Fuck it. No rules. <laughs> official official axe to grind uh, endorsement, Don Zimmer, 2020. Can uh, I mean, so you know, here's the deal. Like, what is what is Biden? Like, he, he's there now. Like, everyone, are we all resigned that this is this is what's happening? This is what's moving forward is fucking Joe Biden? Seems like it. I mean, if that's the case, then we're going to deal with this bullshit for another four years. Uh, okay, so so pre corona, pre corona, I would have said that there's no chance Biden wins. Uh, but uh, Trump is right now racing against uh, the collapse. Uh, like, like, so a record number of people uh, applied for unemployment the other day. Uh, economy, uh, economy couldn't. Did I? No, of course not. No, no, I'm economy not. As like a as a no, gig worker? No, no, no. Uh, I, firstly, uh, so uh, the, the I'm not uh, no, no, no. Looking at my taxes would shock you. Um, not because there's more money there than you think, but because uh, <laughs> it, it would shock you. So I uh, no, I did not. So here's the deal. Uh, Before uh, the Corona uh, economy was an upward swing uh, for any of our listeners that are listening and going, yeah, but that's because Obama. Yeah, nobody's arguing. It's not because of anything. It's because of trends that just happened. Whatever. It's fine. Yes. Most of it is Obama. And it carried through uh, through uh, a good portion of Trump. 
And um, no matter how any of our listeners feel, there's a very large number of people in the United States that will vote for whatever keeps them uh, employed and making money and feeling good about the future. Uh, even if it's a person that they don't necessarily agree with or like or find or if they find him repulsive. So I think that Trump was 100 uh, percent a shoe in. Uh, but now that Corona has uh, potentially uh, ruined the next uh, five to 10 years of uh, our economy, uh, I think that Trump understands this. And that's why he is pushing so hard for us to get back to work. Uh, and. Uh, the option besides this for people that are saying, oh, this is disgusting. Trump is, uh, wants to sacrifice old people. The other option for a dude who does not want to lose uh, reelection is to, to treat this as war footing and uh, start going Patriot Act shit and start uh, getting it's going to be worse. So for anybody yes. that is like anybody that says, hey, this is bad. I don't like this guy saying that we should get back to work. What about grandma? Yo, the alternative, I hate to inform you, is is darker. And uh, I think that he stands now, what was to me like an like an 80-20 uh, is now like a, like I'd push it towards Biden at this point. But Biden, if it's his to lose, the tragedy here is that he stands a good chance of just blowing it. So, so, so you're saying you're you're kind of like a Biden guy. Uh, no. So when this whole shit started, like when when uh, everybody started running, uh, the Democratic uh, primary started. Uh, I w- not primaries when when they start when they all announced. Yeah, uh, I thought for sh- I thought for sure Biden had this because he reminds people most of normalcy. Everybody liked Obama. Uh, everybody associates uh, Biden with Obama. Uh, there's a good vibe there. People want normal. Okay. Uh, and then he stands the best chance, et cetera. But as his uh, mental facilities uh, or faculties have uh, uh, gone into rapid decline, uh, I didn't know how a sane person could vote for him. Uh, but uh, I was proven wrong in these primaries that people just like name things and they don't watch debates and they don't care about the status of where somebody is at right now. Like if yeah. Biden had if Biden had pulled his mask off in the last month and a half, uh, said it, there was an insect face underneath and he had said, you know, I'm just lining things up for when my, uh, race of, uh, aliens, uh, takes over the planet. Uh, yes. I, th- I think that there's a, uh, the majority of people who voted for him in the primary, a would not have heard about it and B would not have cared if they did. So, uh, I was uh, very optimistic about Bernie in the last few months, and then uh, America revealed itself. Mask off. So, so, so uh, now I think that it is going to be a very tight race between two uh, old men in rapid decline. And if you want my honest opinion, uh, Joe Biden's been a capable public servant in whatever capacity. If you want to call him like an establishment shill or a scumbag, that's totally fine. I'll go with you, whatever. But uh, he. Uh, I think it is the level of decline that both of these men are demonstrating, I think is uh, alarming because all of us know 77 year olds. Actually, are they 77? They're my dad's age. My dad is still a sharp. My dad is still a sharp fucking dude. I would my father. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't trust him with the presidency, but he at least could. Yes. Bernie is an old fuck and he's sharp and and he's sharp as fuck. So like, I think that it is uh, alarming that 
we just take it for granted or, or we take it on. It's okay with us that, oh, they're old men. They're not that old. You know what I mean? Let me jump in here because Tom made a point earlier, you know, the precipitous drop off and not seeing that everywhere. The only thing, because I have seen it and it's in the nursing home. It's when you see it because it's yeah, not right. everybody and it's not, you know, it's not consistent. It's not like, oh, hit 75. Everybody's brain just goes to shit. But it happens at some point, you know, Uncle Joe sharp as attack asking me about the Knicks, asking me about this, that and the other. Next time I see him, oh, uh, hey, hey, son, how, how how's everything? Not there. And, right. Start forgetting names and stuff. Right. The sundowning begins. And that's why that's a term. That's why we know it. And uh, I mean, it, it feels it's too it's it's fucking too in the face to ignore it with this dude. Eric, um, this is I, only your, I would like to add. Oh, let's hear your conspiracy. Let's go. Sorry. Just, I mean, if we're doing worst possible time timeline. Oh, yes. please. Here's a, here's a for you guys. So what about if the Democratic establishment has Joe Biden as the face of it because they feel like he's their best chance to win? Yes. He gets in. Maybe Kamala Harris, maybe Elizabeth Warren is his vice president. Who gets in, they 25th Amendment his ass and give it to one of the women. Wow, an establishment coup. I like it. What do you think? I like it. Because uh, he might be fucked up enough to qualify because God knows Trump is fucked up enough to be to qualify for not being able to perform the tasks of being a president. For sure. So you're saying that Biden is our Trojan horse to get our first uh, female president. Uh, maybe. Uh, certainly. What if what if that was Biden's weird uh, like last public servant thing that he because look. I'm not suggesting for anybody listening who hasn't heard worst possible timeline. Uh, I run a, I, I, I walk a fine line uh, between defending. I walk a fine line between defending every terrible person while also shitting on everyone. And I'm going to do that here. So uh, Biden, uh, corporatist Democrat uh, establishment scumbag, all that is true. Uh, but there is an old breed of these sort of fellas who do see themselves as public servants and not just like revolting kleptocrats. So uh, I think Biden does fall into that, that he sees himself as a public servant and he's, and there's some weird samurai logic to the whole thing. Uh, And I think that uh, what if that is possible? What if he sees uh, him being the Trojan horse as the, his last act of public service. That would be interesting. That would, that would make his, uh, his definitely ghost written autobiography, uh, interesting in 10 years. All right. Maybe it's like independence day and he's the president that goes up in a spaceship. Yeah. I want an artist yeah. request, <laughs> artist request for Joe Biden as a samurai, uh, yeah, hel- helmet off in hand. Uh, if you want to put Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris on horses behind him, good. But also I need to know where Bernie stands in this image. Where's Bernie? Oh, mm-hmm. Uh, Bernie is, uh, he, he's a force ghost Bernie. That's exactly what I was thinking. Or like a Lion King cloud face Bernie. Yes. Yeah, I can see that. We're mixing a lot of genres here. So <laughs> Eric, this is your, is this only the third election you've been old enough to participate in? Um, no, this is 16. No, I would. I, so I voted for Obama in 08. I turned 18 in 2008. Okay. Um, so this will be the fourth. So uh, where are you at? What do you think of this? Horse shit the world that we're in. 
Oh man, I mean, if you caught me the week after, like, or like, you know, when 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 Biden started, you know, slapping Bernie senseless and all these in, in, on Super Tuesday and 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 going forward from there, right? I was in like, I was pretty pissed. I was like, I'm not voting for this fucking Biden guy. Fuck him. Now that I've like calmed down from that, it, you know what? I don't hate Joe Biden. It's it's disappointing nonetheless. Um, I, I suppose I suppose I I I'd, I'd cast a vote for him. Um, I, I think like all the stuff that, that we, we just talked about now, you know, is it going to be tight? Yeah. I think Pat's right that, that Trump is basically running against a, a complete, you know, uh, collapse of, of, of whatever our country is right now. And one thing to keep in mind, however, um, about Biden, which should make, I guess is like optimism. I don't know. I don't know how you define it really, but mm-hmm. in all the, the swing counties that Trump won, in in 2016 biden's polling pretty highly in those places so it it may be tight you know and a lot of times elections are, are usually decided like in it, with things that happen in the weeks up to, to to election day so we'll have to see how things go but like biden biden may have a better chance than most people want to give him credit for um but the overall the, the meta narrative of the whole thing is like yo it's kind of sad that the, the democrats are having this hard of a time Okay. Uh, Patrick, does the United States feel like a poorly run LLC? Uh, so it, I uh, used to have to do the book. So when I worked for uh, kind of a guy who had a bunch of different business interests, uh, one of them was a grilled cheese shop. And uh, as his assistant, sometimes I got these bizarre responsibilities like, oh, I don't want to deal with payroll or, or uh, invoice uh, or billing rather for uh, uh, the grilled cheese shop. Could you figure that out? I don't want to deal with. What a great phrase. Yeah. So uh, I would occasionally have to deal with shit for the grilled cheese shop. And I would say that that grilled cheese shop is run better than the United States. Uh, <laughs> so so uh, it's a little alarming. Um, but I guess on some level. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Get right? down! Like the wrath of the buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The wrath of the buzzard. P-R-O-H files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. So, okay. I got a thing, right, where... Uh, 
I think people are fake disappointed in life, right? Where they act like their expectations were high, but then they must not have been or vice versa. And what I mean by this is like, is the United States uh, a nightmare, uh, uh, fading empire, uh, uh, you know, uh, capitalist uh, dystopia, uh, all these things that people accuse it of being, which are nth level horrible. Uh, but then they also act surprised or hurt when the United States fails to do even a little bit right. Are we bad or are we redeemable? Because the way that people talk about the United States in the present tense gives the impression of disappointed parents versus like how you and I might like. So if you're disappointed by your kid, it's way different than if you are the local judge who's seen that person's kid come through the courtroom 10 times. Like there's a different attitude. And I think that what I see on, on Twitter, et cetera, is this bizarre mix of, I think the United States is terrible, but I'm also really disappointed. And it's like, yo, if you think it's terrible, you can't be disappointed. If you like it, like dad can only let you down so many times, you know what I mean? And yeah, that's I, a good I, point. I don't understand where people are coming from on this. Like, do you in your heart believe that this is a terrible place or are you, is this like daddy? Is this like, like, okay. So let me talk uh, real plainly as a guy whose uh, father's a little fucked up. It's, uh, it's easier for some of his children to process his fucked upness than other children. And I, as one of the older kids, uh, I process it. Okay. But I see this thing lately where people seem hurt by their country. And I, for any of our listeners that are like, that maybe you think you're punk or maybe you have these attitudes that you believe are, are transgressive or, or anti-establishment or whatever. Anytime that you're disappointed by your country, I think you've failed to understand the purpose of country. It is, uh, you are getting exploited from jump. And I think that, uh, this idea that, uh, you can shake your head, uh, at specific instances of it is a little misguided. Either it's bad or it's not bad. (laughs) So which is it? I want to jump in on this because I'll, I'll loop Tom and Eric here too because I want I think you hit a point you know it's um <clears throat> let's flip it though what if this is the kid who's disappointing the parent I, I like the way you put that you know the the kid who's got the deadbeat dad or the no show dad where you know the first time dad doesn't show up to little league game it hurts and you're like surprised or you you know you didn't expect it. But after time number 10, maybe you're numb to it. Now, that doesn't mean that when dad comes around and starts not being like, hey, what's up, buddy? You know, uh, you want to play catch? And you're like a little wrong. You're like, oh, fuck yourself, dad. So I, I wonder about this. So is this the um, is this liar liar? <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is where I'm going with this. I'm saying, is there a raw emotional response even through the numb pain, through the numbed the dulled, like, hey, as a younger person, I, I want to ask the whole room here, was there a time in your life where you thought, or at least, I, I know for me, the idea of American exceptionalism, even though I didn't know that term, that was like beaten into me as a kid, not by my parents, just by general, and the idea of like, you know, the 4th of July is pretty fucking lit, man. Um, this is a cool country, blah, blah, blah. 
But over time, you're like, fuck, maybe, maybe we don't got it all right. But my thought is you add in this, the, the pulpits of online and, and feeling the need to have something to say. And all of a sudden this conversation of, oh, I'm so disappointed in this country. It's like, really? This is the first time, yeah. you know? Yeah. Right. 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 You know, you know like, let me, can I, can I jump in real oh, quick? Please. I think people were very optimistic about the man Bernie Sanders. I don't know if they were optimistic about the country. I mean, I think people see this country as a rotten, decaying uh, ship that is currently actively sinking and has been for a long time. And I think they saw this guy Bernie come and be like, hey, let's steer this in a different direction where we're kind of, you know, keeping it paced with the rest of the Western world in terms of medicine or, or whatever else. And I think a lot of people... Like Patrick, you said, you know, you see it on Twitter mostly. I mean, the people that live on Twitter, if, if you live on Twitter, you, you know, Bernie Sanders was like the second coming. Like, I, and, and I fell victi victim to, to it too. And, and I was optimistic for a while when he was winning some primaries and I was feeling pretty good. And I thought, you know what, maybe this shit is salva salvageable in some way. But really the people that I think are are to blame, and, and we've talked about this before in was Possible Timeline, and it, it, it's it, it's just like, Yo, Bernie Sanders revolution, it didn't fucking show up, man. Didn't show up at the polls. So like, you know, I was I was very ready for the high drama of the primaries where they were going to fuck Bernie over somehow. They were going to like steal his delegates or, or do whatever. There was going to be some screw job at the DNC. And I was ready for that drama and I was ready to be pissed. But then the fact that he just kind of straight up lost you know, he just like yeah. was outvoted by the other guy. I was like, oh, Everybody you know what? this is just this is these are the people that vote. This is the country. You know, it's not on Twitter. It's the Bernie Sanders revolution exists in some form, but not in one that manifested itself in a meaningful way. Uh, you know it is uh, it is the Yankees uh, 2001 uh, uh, sputter out yeah. uh, <laughs> where it's like would have been a good story. Uh, instead, uh, just like a decent feeling for a short time. Yeah. Tom, Tom, is there a point where you felt good about the country we lived in? We live in, you still do don't, you know, I, I thought it was really interesting cause I don't disagree with Eric on the fact that I feel like countries a sinking ship, decaying, rotting, all that. I do feel that, but there was a point where I didn't. And, um, the nineties. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true, but it's it's hard to identify when that flipped. Did, did, how do you feel about that, George Bush? I mean, probably before that, for me, probably as a kid, you know, everything seems great. You know what I mean? And yep. Like, you don't know anything. What the fuck do I know? You know what I mean? It's like baseball. Everything's cool. Like you know. And yeah. Then, national anthem. Let's go. Yeah. For me, when I first um, went abroad, was kind of when I go. Oh, all right. Like this is not. You know, home is not as cool as I thought it was. No, other people are doing this the right way. So, so let, let me offer something about American exceptionalism. Uh, I think that that's what I'm decrying right now is that by being disappointed, you are displaying symptoms of American exceptionalism. If right. you think that you, it, it, I, I think that people don't quite understand uh, how. Uh, revealing an expectation kind of uh, exposes them as as uh, as having these views that they didn't they wouldn't even acknowledge that they have uh, uh, out loud uh, so if you were if you saw your nation as any different than any other nation on the planet uh, 
that's American exceptionalism. And, and I think that uh, for you to be disappointed by it, like a, a fact that I did not know that I am finding very interesting is a lot of what we're criticizing Trump for uh, at the moment. <clears throat> hey, he's not shutting down or, or his willingness to uh, push against the shutdown shows that he has a blatant disregard for human life. He put, he puts money over people, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that uh, listen, uh, everything about Trump has displayed that that is the case. Uh, so I'm not arguing. However, uh, the thing that I did find interesting is that Scandinavian countries are behaving no differently in this time of crisis, except they haven't even done what he's done. So, uh, there's, uh, I think Sweden right now is still allowing gatherings up to 500 people, uh, no shutdown. Uh, and th- it's just, it's fascinating that like we look at this dude and we assume that nobody could be worse than him because he, nobody presents worse than him. That's for fucking positive. But, yeah. uh, but like w- weighing him actually against it's, it's a bit like when, when, uh, uh, like George Bush, George Bush is like an easily detestable figure uh, who uh, I would 100 percent acknowledge anybody's uh, argument that he is a, a up for a war crime uh, uh, tribunal. I, I'm, I'm game for all that. He was kind but, of funny. Though. Yeah, kind of funny. But then <laughs> if, if you look at if you look at some of his uh, some of his policies in places that he wasn't at war, uh, they're weirdly tender. <laughs> they are they are weirdly like so. Uh, what, what I'm trying to say is, uh, there is uh, these dudes are multifaceted, or or they're not, but they're no worse than people that we have much less problem with. And, and uh, I think that that's always worth exploring. Is that a form of exceptionalism? Do we think that our dude is the worst? Because something about being the worst at least makes us feel special, uh, which is a thing that I find. Go ahead. No, I, it's it's. I think it's just right. Like, if we're not the best, we're the worst. Because we right. we're number one in being bad. Right. So, look, not to lose any listeners in Germany, but I remember having an argument with a, a German over. Uh, uh, their relationship to their history uh, and was talking about how Americans process their genocide versus how Australians process their genocide ab- about how Germans process their genocide. And don't get me wrong. Uh, uh, certainly uh, the, the 1939 was more recent than, uh, th- than those other two, but uh, although actually in the case of, uh, of Australia, you could argue maybe not, but whatever the point is. Yeah. Um, th- the point is, that I was just talking about kind of this odd um, sort of German exceptionalism that, that exists. And they, this gentleman who does not speak for all Germans, I recognize this. Thank you, Germans, uh, who uh, said a weird thing. I said, well, you do have to understand that, that uh, you should never forget your history, but, but uh, acting as though you have the only genocide is, is kind of, uh, in its own way, kind of offensive there. You you do at this time, I think there was still an active genocide going on at that time, maybe in Darfur when I was having this argument. Anyway, the point is I was, I was just trying to say like, you know, genocide is, is a thing that you can't own. And this man's response was ours was different. It was industrialized. Now 
he's correct. That is different. But as I tried to tell him to the person that gets hacked to death with a machete, I don't know if it feels all that different. And what I thought was exposing about the whole thing was this guy still needs his country to stand out in some way, even if it's the most horrible way that nobody should ever want to cop to. Uh, and I think that people do that with their nations a lot. Uh, we are the worst. The Noam Chomsky, we are the worst. We're definitely not the worst. We can f- I can list fucking 10 worse right now off the top of my head, and I'm an idiot. So there, there's kind of like this weird, uh, we want to be, like you said, it's, it's how I was in high school. If I couldn't get 100, I just wouldn't do the fucking paper. No, I mean, that's, I mean, no one wants to be in the middle. No one wants to be fucking 12th out of 20. There's nah. nothing. You, you, you're either the winner or you failed spectacularly. And that's really a dangerous mindset to have because it, it's terrible. It puts gains and losses in a real hard dichotomy. It's either all or nothing. And that's, that's where we see that. There's a lot of human nature in that. And uh, it's something I think people should actively push against personally and at a larger level. I think in, in times like that we're currently in right now with, you know, with, with the, the pandemic going about, I mean, I see it. It, this is sort of sort of related. I mean, it's just in the sense that there's a lot of people right now on on Twitter and you know, kind of rightfully angry with our government's handling of of everything going on. And but where they lose me is when they compare to say China, who we've now surpassed in cases. Well, China enacted some like really, really draconian measures to lock people down. The, pulling people off the streets, forcing them into quarantines, welding them into their apartment buildings. That's not the country that, that we live in. And I'm thankful for that. And I understand that our way of life um, puts more people at risk maybe than in, than in China. I understand that China was able to get over this thing much quicker because of their measures that they put in. But a government clampdown, a United States government clampdown on society scares the shit out of me more than having a life-threatening illness and having a life-threatening illness does scare the shit out of me too but you know it's in times like these where i'm like damn uh for as much as this country sucks shit and has a history of sucking shit um i'm thankful i live here than a lot of other places uh it's uh, let's get real tea party on this uh (laughs) he who would would sacrifice uh his freedoms for security deserves neither uh But getting into China for just a second, uh, also important to note that they lied about their numbers. Also uh, important to note that there is media suppressed riots happening as of yesterday uh, from people there who uh, are trying to go back to work. Uh, So uh, for people who uh, try to compare these two countries in this Corona thing, you look like a fucking fool. Don't do it on my watch. Uh, So. Uh, yeah, I, I also often these are apples and oranges. I just compared the United States to Scandinavia, but that's really unfair when when uh, Bernie does it with healthcare. It's like, yeah. and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm on the Bernie tip with healthcare. I really am. 
I think that if you pay into a system, you deserve certain privileges. And if all we're paying for in taxes is a war machine, then I think we're fucking morons. So I think that I'm with him on healthcare. I'm with him on all that shit. But to compare Scandinavia to the United States is just really stupid. Different so systems, I different just, backgrounds, different populace by a lot. Exactly. So 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 I just did it. And when we do it with the United States and China, it looks equally as foolish. Uh, it is uh, uh, a lot of these things are not one to ones, uh, particularly like, you know, I'm seeing uh, comparing New York to Italy and this, that and the other thing. And it's like, yo, don't get me wrong. These things can be helpful guideposts, but they're not the lay of the land. So, uh, yeah. Um, what do we want to talk about? Do Tom, we want to talk I, about I the fact Tom, that New York is a prison right now? Yeah, I wanted to ask Tom because. Tom, with most things, I feel like you're a pretty even hand, especially when it comes to like news and information gathering and how you do it. Is the internet a fun place right now for you? Like when I go on there, I'm I'm either bored or mad or don't want to be reading anything. And you know, I don't like. But what about for you? No, ninety nine percent of it is is horrible. Um, I, as we talked about off air, Colin Young's uh, Smash Mouth video. Really yeah. was the game changer. He kept it from being 100% all bad. Um, that and Tiger King memes are pretty much the only things that are keeping me off the ledge. Tiger King is bringing me so much joy. I gotta say, yo, so. I'm the guy. I'm the guy who, when he's when everybody's watching the same thing, I don't. Just contrary okay. dickhead, I just don't. But I watch Tiger King. It is a very fulfilling program. Right. I'm one of those like I've known people like people that like are fucking vapid as hell and only watch like like reality tv were bigging us up and i was like eh definitely not gonna watch this and i was like you know what let me watch one episode and see how it goes and i was i'm not i can't say that i'm shocked because i've been everywhere in america so i get it <laughs> yeah and the twists and turns are like what the fuck like you couldn't have written this better like just no the, if, the it, if, you, if, if you if you had written it if you wrote this somebody would tell you, you got to tone it down. <laughs> uh, so I'm glad it exists. Uh, real quick aside, and we don't got to get lost on this. The other thing that I've been watching uh, is uh, I've seen it before, obviously, but not in many years. Eastbound and down holds up so well. Great. That yes, I was like rolling show. off the fucking couch. <laughs> like I forgot. And also this one is going to come as a surprise to, I think everybody. Uh, the little Dicky show called Dave is remarkably funny. I did I, not did not expect much. It is funny. If you, if you like Eastbound and Down, you should check out uh, Righteous Gemstones because my girl I, I um, my girlfriend was watching that and I and I caught some of it and I was like, this is this is very good. This is very captivating. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to watch that as well. The Dave, yeah, I watched the first episode of that Dave show. Just because, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I'm old. I don't know who Little Dickie is necessarily. Yeah. Um, but all I know is that Aunt Money from the town, that managed that dude. That's right. Oh, no shit. <laughs> so I'm hoping there's an Aunt Money analog in the show. Little Dicky, I would say for for people that don't know who he is, an easy way to kind of sum up his gimmick is he's a, he's a rap guy. He, he's a rapper dude who is... Um, his gimmick is that he's like kind of schlubby, like stoner Jewish guy. Yeah. Like, well, neurotic, uh, you know, in this Bob's uh, no, actually who said it, Tom, uh, whoever said 
uh, that right now Larry David is the zeitgeist. Yeah. Uh, that is, uh, you could see little Dickie as a, as a youthful analog. Um, yeah, he's, yeah. An he's an acolyte of that school of, uh, of that vibe. Yeah. But also can rap. Yeah. Uh, also, which yeah. I, th which I think is interesting that he can actually rap, uh, which, uh, don't get me wrong. Nobody's ever going to like give a shit, but it is an interesting thing that he, that he has more ability than a lot, of, a lot of people that, uh, uh, get some uh, accolades for for their rapping. So, All right. uh, I have I have a couple of things here for you guys before we wrap up. One, and sure. animal adoptions are way up right now. Like some people were saying, New York City shelters were empty. That's not true. We still go adopt, but like this didn't strike me as all positive that people were just running nope. out and adopting dogs and cats. No, definitely not. Is it is it cool? Is it bad? Is it good? Is it dumb? Uh, maybe short-sighted. So I'm of the belief that these animals, uh, so I worked at a shelter. It wasn't, it was a no kill shelter. It wasn't like a hell on earth. Uh, but, uh, these places are rough and you see animals that are there for entirely too long, too long. Uh, you see animals returned because people don't understand. Um, it's sad. Uh, and I, I, I'm of the belief like this shocked Eric, but, uh, I think that, uh, like when I see crust punks with dogs, I'm not mad at all. I, uh, I think that so many animals, uh, would rather live as crust punks than, uh, be killed. So I, I'm, I'm surprisingly, uh, broad in my, uh, acceptance of, uh, of, uh, pet, pet owners. Uh, but there is one type of pet owner that I think is uh, a repellent monster. And I don't use language like this all that often. Uh, or it's usually hyperbole. And this time I mean it for real. Uh, the for the gram cat owner that Oof. abandons that abandons their animal when they move. Uh, there is a type of person that sees animals, even if they supposedly love animals or can show animals affection. Uh they have a sociopathic tendency to see animals as ultimately their property. Uh, and uh, that sort of person makes me physically fucking sick. And I wish that I could do something to stop them. I feel like there's going to be many people in this exact moment when they're stranded inside. Some people look, they just want, uh, wants to be close to something and someone and an animal will do that for them. Uh, and maybe they're not considering that eventually they will go back to work. And the great Dane that they just put into their uh, one bedroom New York apartment might not be a great fit. Exactly. Uh, but uh, although great Dane's not bad uh, apartment dogs at the end of the day, because they're so fucking low energy, but the, uh, uh, so that's one concern, but then there's also the concern of the person that uh, really is uh, trying to sell an image on Instagram and Mark. got their animal for that purpose and is going to abandon that animal uh, when things get tough, uh, or they just move in with their boyfriend or girlfriend. And it, that, um, that kind of is, is like truly wild to me. Like the one, like when, and, and it's surprisingly common. Like when you see posts on Instagram, like "Hey everyone, looking someone to take this sweet baby, moving into a new place that doesn't allow animals." Yo, why would that place be an option? You have an animal. Yeah, I wouldn't. Right. Wouldn't consider it. Would not consider it. Um, what percentage, as a longtime New Yorker, what percentage of these animals being adopted in the city by bored people are going to be returned to these shelters post-normalcy? Mm. If I had to guess, probably 
30, 40%. It's fucked up. If you adopted an animal, you signed up for something. I'm not saying keep it, but figure out a better situation than returning it to where you got it from. There's like all the Dalmatians that get returned, you know, once these 101 Dalmatian movies come out. Oh, yeah. Pick up people adopting Dalmatians or rabbits around Easter and all the stuff. And it's kind of like, well, they're not cute anymore. Yeah. I got your room. Oh, cool. What are the uh, uh, what are the uh, the the uh, fucking? They were like a little tamagotchi. Get you fucking go on eBay and buy a tamagotchi instead. Ooh, okay, get a tamagotchi. Yeah, tamagotchi. Um, so um, my mother has written this dude a couple times. I think he might technically be related to my family in some way. Uh, he wrote some book uh, about uh, sociopathy because he. Uh, he was doing these tests and he used himself as a control and then discovered that he was a sociopath. And uh, then he went to his family, like went to his mother and said, mom, uh, this came back that I have all the hallmarks. Did you know this? And she's like, Oh yes. Oh yes. I know. And, and uh, (laughs) I, I wish, so he is a, he's a guy with a family um, and he's also incredibly high IQ uh, and he just has to bear in mind the same way that we got a couple autistic listeners that, and they, the super high functioning dudes that know what's up, they know that they can't necessarily determine what your face is, is trying to convey to them. Like I know one listener we got, he's a friend of mine who, uh, when he's getting lost, he'll just go, Hey, I struggle with what your face is trying to tell me. So like, uh, if, if, uh, I'm stepping on your feet right now, you just let me know. And that's how this dude has to do with, uh, with his sociopath tendencies. Uh, but I wish that they could give that test to everybody adopting a dog this week. (laughs) That's what I wish. I wish that everybody could take that test to see if they are, uh, this animal that they love so much, quote unquote, at first sight, like a true psychopath, uh, if they're going to abandon that animal, uh, the second that something is of more interesting to them. Um, so that's uh, one government regulation that I'd like to enact today. Mm, vegan Reich. Hands off the animal, raid. All right, uh, we got two guys on here who certainly can talk to me about this, but all three of us can answer this question. This is about, we're going to do two little things here. What is worse, no audience wrestling, no audience sports, or no audience live music? Tom, mm-hmm. kick it off. What is worse? Uh, I'm going to go no audience wrestling. Agree. Because it's all about the reaction and yep. to know that like people are legitimately injuring themselves with no feedback, that sort of sucks. Yep. Like, <laughs> you know, some rando dude with the fucking beard playing in his basement, playing like his, you know, playing you his hits, yeah. you know, from his basement to, to, to no one in, you know, in person. Not that hurtful. Playing basketball or whatever. Like, I've played basketball in silence for more often, you know, more yeah, times sure. than I yeah, it's still pretty fun. Yeah, and I think, you know, watching the – it just it, – it's so awkward and it just feels very kind of – I feel I feel for the people having to do it. Yeah, I, I can't believe that Vince is, is pushing WrestleMania forward. I guess apparently it's been pre-taped. Um, it's already done. It's, it's already done. I can't I, – that, that astounds me. I mean, I guess in some ways 
because he's known as a as a as an insane control freak. Maybe this is his ideal because he can literally can can control the entire thing. Um, but like, I, I can't believe they wouldn't just postpone it because it's not just WrestleMania 36. You know, in the year 2020, it's WrestleMania 36 forever. Forever, this will be the weird WrestleMania with no crowd. It's 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 so bizarre and bad. I want you right. guys to preview this. Is there any chance this isn't the worst WrestleMania? This is gonna, it's going to be bad. I, it's going to be I so have, bad. I have friends who are big wrestling fans who are like, I don't know if we can watch it. Yeah, I I have no real desire to watch I it. Think it would be great with a crowd, to be quite honest with you. Without it, it's, it's they're literally doing it in their rehearsal studio. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, no, no, Bob, one, uh, Tom, one hundred percent correct. It, it's like even with the giant crowd, this the WWE is is producing such lackluster storylines and and bullshit that like even with the crowd, this wouldn't be all that compelling. But at least you know the reaction. At least it would have been fun, you know, on some level. But like seeing it in an empty studio is like fuck this. What is the point? It's surreal. <laughs> it fucking sucks. But yeah, I mean, sports, pro sports. I, I wish that they would be they they could figure out some way to continue on the um, the MLB or the NBA season um, in a safe way with no audience. But you know, I guess it just is what it is. They're erring on the side of caution. Tom, I think it, you know, I feel like MLB is the most likely. Only reason being, like, if social distancing is still you know will still be a thing in a month or so. Yeah, baseball. There's literally very little contact with another human being that's right well you're having 10 people in a very confined space baseball it's like there's 90 feet between everybody yeah yeah and and then the games can still be entertaining without the crowd i mean they've done it before and, and it's fine basketball oh, without a crowd will be weird but i mean for the players it's, it would just be getting used to it they play in empty gyms all the time with each other so it's like whatever uh, baseball would be the least awkward live watching experience. How often do you see the crowd during a baseball game when they hit home runs? You know, a couple crowd yeah. shots. You know, most of the time you see in the field, you see in the players. You know, that's not too awkward. I think I think baseball could go on, but you know, at that point, it's just like I think there's some some behind the scenes calculus being done. Like, we really going to do this? Like, I'm I'm also of the mind that a lot of these ownership groups are looking and saying. How can we make sure we don't play pay these players if there's no games going on, and that that well, will drop at some point? All the all the players have contracts though, so so they're getting paid. You know, they get paid no matter what. But for some majeure, there are back ends of all these where if a act of nature, act of God comes in and makes it so games can't be played, shit like this matters. And I, the, if this goes into April, there's a lot of talk in professional in the NBA that. Players aren't going to are going to start not getting checks. Shit. So we're going to get Kevin Durant OnlyFans. Oh, jeez. <laughs> PK, where, where do you stand? Are you pro or anti the uh, the bedroom sessions? Well, first I shuddered when Tom said, "If if, if we're still socially social distancing in a month, if we're still social distancing in a month." This is my prediction to everybody, or my suggestion to everybody is get a shotgun and get some canned food because. Uh, it's we just going to get have, wild out there. It, we Well, we have fully sacrificed uh, our economic future. And uh, to those of you that think that money just is something that you print, uh, we're going to find out exactly how that works. 
because it's going to be fucking bad and you're going to be complaining for a fucking decade. And to those of you that are like 40, uh, I just want you to picture this in your head. Yeah, those 40, other- <laughs> yeah, those other people. You're 40 and you uh, – if we hit an economic downturn of such uh, uh, a high order that uh, the next 10 years are a wash, it's just a push for you where you can't really get ahead, uh, that means that you're going to be entering the time of your life where you are – uh, rapidly by American standards, uh, unemployable, you are going to be, uh, reaching that point where if you get fired, you'll never be hired again in your field. Uh, and you will have nothing in the way of savings. Uh, and if you are 25 right now, I want you to think about the next 10 years being a wash where you can't get ahead at whatever your chosen career is at all. And you're behind the eight ball, uh, at every turn. Uh, and I want everybody to think about these things. And uh, it, when you're considering the cost, quote unquote, the cost of human life and blah, 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 blah. Uh, also consider the quality of human life and yeah. how uh, if if we're asking everybody to have less, then I want I want there to be an understanding going in, because uh, if anybody complains about this, uh, I can't get ahead. In five years from now, by us taking fucking like an entire three months off of life, yeah. uh, the economic the economic engine of the United States grinded to a fucking halt, and people thinking that you can just fucking print money, uh, like yo, go look into hyperinflation, see how that works. Yeah, like so. Here's what I will say: I'm game for this conversation, only in one form or the other. The reality that when if this grinds for eight more weeks. There's going to be a lot of stuff that straight up doesn't exist when we come back to quote to normalcy. It just won't. It's gone, and there's a lot of loss. There's industries collapsed. Well, I think. I mean, should we should we just acknowledge that as a reality? Because I don't. I I think we're easily going another four weeks, and potentially yeah, almost question. definitely another eight weeks. Yeah, I think we're right there. And and if if there's no if there's no uh, returns to this, uh, that's what I anticipate happening. The other side is if somebody wants to go in and be like, well, no, you know, and, and here's these fixes. All right. Well, yo, uh, uh, currency is just an agreed upon fucking imagination system at this point. And if we all just want to pretend the last three months didn't happen. Okay. But no one wants that's, that's crazy. That's, you know, like if we do that, all of a sudden the structures of this shit go away. I'm all for that. But but it's that's a way out there idea that no one's going to talk about. That doesn't. Yeah, you know, that's not realistic. No one can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it is uh, far bleaker than I think people understand. Uh, so for people that, uh, and we can get. I'll get back into bedroom sh- sessions in a second. But uh, for people that say, "Hey, human life is worth any trade-off," uh, I don't think you believe that at all. <laughs> and actually, for most of you, if you wanted to give me 10 minutes to audit your life, I could prove that you don't actually believe that. Uh, that is a sanctimonious weirdo thing to say that I don't think is rooted in your behavior at all. So uh, it is uh, my, I'll say straight out that my ambitions are worth your life, not you guys, but it, it, it's worth grandma's life for sure. A- yeah. And uh, people can feel however they want about that. Uh, it's worth my father's life. My father's an old man. Let's use him as an example. Father's an old man and I love him. Uh, if he tried to stand in the way of me having a good life, I would just hold the pillow over his face myself. 
Uh, and people don't got to feel that way, but that's how I feel. And when you uh, attempt to tell me that the absolute uh, value that the, the, the is is a stranger's life, then I expect you to uh, have corresponding uh, behaviors before this. And I bet many of you do not. I will cite anybody that has gotten into a car and driven more than 20 miles for no purpose whatsoever. So that's right. Uh, we can get into all that some other time. Let me say this. Uh, you guys watched the Code Orange thing. I did not. You reported that it was quite good for what it was. So apparently uh, uh, you can do these uh, uh, sort of uh, no audience shows uh, to some good effect. Um, I don't know how many of them I would watch. Uh, and certainly I'm, I'm guessing that the Code Orange one had some measure of production. Uh, yeah, uh, I'd say a high well, level production. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. so. I mean, that's not not normally a thing that I value in a live show, but it would probably be a thing that I would come to appreciate in a in a not so live show. Um, and uh, I don't know how I would feel about uh, some of these smaller acts attempting to do the same thing. Uh, but uh, sports, um, you know, baseball, I could watch without a crowd for sure. Uh, basketball, I could watch with my favorite part of the crowd at baseball is, uh, seeing like, uh, the incredibly hot women on the first baseline, uh, you know, like trying to get the attention of whatever player, like that's all fun. Uh, like watching the guy that is, uh, obviously has his corporate, uh, seats behind, uh, home plate, uh, yawning and not paying attention to the game. That's always fun. Uh, but do I need these things? Not really. You know what I mean? So I, I could watch a game, uh, certainly without, it might actually be really relaxing. Uh, cause I, I don't like crowd noise. I, as a kid, I found it like highly irritating. It's only like as an adult that I don't mute sports. Yeah. You're a bit uh, of a distractible fellow with that kind of thing. And for whatever reason, there's certain sounds that like, uh, I remember, uh, our friend and former roommate, Paul, uh, had to cover his ears every time the subway pulled up, every oh, time yeah. the train yep. pulled up. And, uh, so like uh, different people got different, like weird stim trigger triggers that just like up and like crowd noise for me. I, I'm not crazy about it. Um, so I could probably deal with that. Uh, wrestling. I have not seen any of these, <laughs> any, any of these matches. Yo, uh, it's without, surreal as a non wrestling fan, put it on for two minutes. I couldn't, it was, it just didn't make sense. Yeah. It's I haven't, I haven't heard anybody advocate for any part of it. Like nobody has even said, Oh, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> Everybody's just like, I hate it. Well, I will say, uh, so AEW seems to be doing it in a way that's like, okay, you know, I, I'll watch it. And it's like, this is, this is kind of passable, I guess. Like it's, it's, it's fine for what it is. All things considered WWE is just pure, just it's on un- it. Okay. So it was unwatchable when there was a crowd, but now it's like, I can't even put it on because it's just so bizarre and, and awful. A separate episode that was we can attempt at some time is talking about the WWE exceptionalism oh. because because Eric just did the thing that we just accused people of doing about the United States where it's like, oh, it's a dump. It's a shithole. It's always been evil. It's an imperialist <laughs> nightmare. And, and then they're like, oh, so lame right now. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, it's lame. Like, why are you saying right now? Why are you saying? True. Why, why, 
like I've never heard a WWE fan not complain about the WWE. It's so weird. Vince you know McMahon it, is Donald Trump. Cut it. Can can I can I can I elaborate? Okay, I just want to explain. So when 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 the WWE does something right, when it's good, it's really fulfilling because it's so often just horrible. It's real. It's so, so like, like you just watch waiting. You're like, when is is it like maybe? Oh, this is kind of cooking a little bit. This could be cool. Oh no, it's not. Oh, what about this? It's kind of oh no. And that's what it is ninety nine point nine percent of the time. But when it's good, it's good. It's like oh yeah, this rules. So that's like the Hoover Dam or Dip Dippin' Dots, as far as like the United States, as far as the United States goes. It's like it's um, sipping on a chili dog outside the taste freeze. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's Vince McMahon. So when we were talking about um, Don Zimmer earlier, when we were talking about uh, um, uh, managers, all that could come to my mind is is Vince because in, in my mind he's the perfect manager because to me. The role of a manager is someone who gets shit on. Someone who who just like is gonna be. He comes out in the suit and he's like, "All right, ladies and gentlemen, I know you want to see Stone Cold, but we banned him from the arena." Boo! And then Stone Cold comes in and like dumps turds on him and and stunners him, and it's just it's great. <laughs> uh, Dan DiDio, Dan DiDio, who was uh, recently fired from DC Comics, uh, was uh, the visible face of it for so long. And it became clear, uh, you know, insiders had told me this, but it, it had become clear, I think, even without them, that his role was to be the target for every everybody's anger, everybody's displeasure. Sure. And and it takes the, it takes it off of the rest of the team. The rest of the team doesn't have to worry about being accused of being bad at their job. You can always blame the boss. And he thought that that was an effective strategy for uh, keeping the stress off of his employees. Uh, of course, he eventually had to answer to an employer. And, and when you're the boss and you've established that you, you're the one that's supposed to take all the heat, uh, he did and he was fired. Uh, but, and now that they don't have him, comics is going through its probably worst, potentially last, potentially last time. Yeah. This is the last, uh, last gasp. Custer's last stand here for the comic. Book yes. World. <laughs> for comics, comics may, for everybody listening, comics may not exist, uh, in, in the, uh, format that you're familiar with right. after this COVID thing. Uh, so, uh, without him there, uh, it's this bizarre thing where, uh, there's the face Jim Lee now is, is uh, MIA and, without somebody to direct anger at who's comfortable in that role. Uh, we're seeing that it is uh, definitely like, yeah, there needs to be events uh, in a lot of industries. There needs to be, because otherwise people feel really lost. They feel moreless if they don't uh, have somebody to blame. It's like, it's like Knicks fans without Dolan. Oh, see, yeah. you know what? Without- let me, let me speak on that. Everybody Dolan out, Dolan out, get Dolan out. Who are you going to blame when the Knicks suck and Dolan's gone? Exactly. Who are you going to blame? Yeah. <laughs> he tested positive. He did. Um, R.I.P. Dolan. Yo, major yeah, shout out to, to Star. Heartless. Y'all see yeah. the Stefan Marbury donating 10 million and 95 masks to New York City? Not Whoa, donated, really? but he, he coordinated it. Yeah. So apparently, New York City was getting a rate of like 750 a mask. And uh, Marbury lives in China. He lives in Beijing now. And so he negotiated a rate for like two fifty a mask cost on these masks and getting them shipped oh. to New York City. 
King shit. Wow. Starberry. <laughs> Starberry, who, 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 who was uh, shitted upon uh, and still doing right by the city. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, you would think a guy like that would be like, you let this motherfucking city burn to the ground for all I give a shit. No, I'm petty. I would. <laughs> all right, yo, let's call it. All right, everybody. We'll take thanks. this to a part thanks, two bro. on worst possible timeline. Yes, there we go. Worst possible timeline. Uh, if you want to hear this part two, hit it up. More hardcore there. More hardcore. On-